man, what an exciting day to be able to start with baby dedications and baptism. Oh, this is, this is a great day God's made, right? So let's just uh, have that spirit with us. In Mark chapter 6, we're going to look in verse 30 and following. And for those of you who are really sharp, you're going, wait a minute, isn't that what you talked about last week? Well, yeah. What we did last week, we talked about the exhaustion of the disciples and we went backwards to see why they were exhausted. Today, we're going to start again and move forward. So as you're kind of perusing chapter 6 in Mark, yes, we talked last week about the uh, disciples. Jesus sent them out by twos, all 12 of them, paired them up in groups of six. They went on a preaching tour probably to about 204 different villages. We're not sure of the length of time. Most scholars think it took about six months. So, I mean, they're fast-paced. They're going village to village. Jesus gave them the authority to, to heal people, to cast out demons. Um, he gave them instructions, though. You're not going to take any money. Don't listen to what Dave Ramsey said on your, your savings account. You're not going to take any of that kind of stuff. Uh, no food, no change of clothes. You're going to depend on the hospitality of uh, total strangers. And if you go into a, a town or a home and they won't receive the message, you just shake the dust off your feet. You go to the next one. And if you find a reception there, you stay there. And you share the gospel, you receive their hospitality, and you engage in spiritual conversation. I think one of the lessons we, we can learn from that is you and I, we got to keep moving, keep meeting new people until God leads us to the ones who are open to the message. I bet all of us probably have some friends who are without Christ. They've been without Christ for years. We pray for them often. We invite them to dinner. We invite them to go play golf. We long for the day where they might show some spiritual hunger, and yet they're not at this point. But you got to keep moving. You can't forget them, but you got to keep moving. There's new people for you to meet. And people all along our pathway in life, we're just like that, that, that link in a chain that brings people to salvation. And God has his people everywhere because he desires for all people to know the truth. Now these Twelve disciples paired up going six months, all these villages. They came back tired, but it was a good tired. And they reported to Jesus all that they had done. I mean, it was a great experience that they had. And somewhere in that six months, we're not sure when or may have been before, you know, we, we hear the story of the death of John the Baptist. And this had to, to really kind of grieve the disciples. The beheading of John the Baptist, an extraordinary prophet and preacher. Certainly it affected Jesus because he was so close to John. And then I want us to remember too as we come to these verses, these disciples had been up to six months without the presence of Jesus himself. Now we can thank the Lord for the gift of his Holy Spirit that's with us daily. But these disciples were gone doing ministry, hard work, without the presence of Jesus for up to six months. They, they longed to be with Christ. They needed some refreshment. They needed to reconnect with Him. You know, last Wednesday night we had our prayer gathering and it was a holy time. And I know some of you actually took some, some time off to reconnect with Jesus. A lot of us came Wednesday night pretty fatigued from our our schedules we didn't have a lot of white space there some of us came grieving over different things in life but I can guarantee you everybody left 
refreshed and reconnected with Jesus Christ. It was a great time Wednesday evening. So let's take a look at these verses again and then we're going to move forward with the story. The apostles gathered together with Jesus in verse 30. And they reported to him all they had done and taught. They're excited about it. Tired but excited. And so he said to them, okay guys, come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest for a while. For there were many people coming and going. They did not even have time to eat. You ever been there? Been so busy? And I, I don't have time for lunch. I mean, I got to keep going. I got these projects to do. So they went away in a boat to a secluded place by themselves. So last week we talked about this need for rest and relaxation with Jesus. Rest is not always just a vacation. Vacation can be very tiring. Just ask my wife some of our vacations. I try to see so much and get it all in. We come back more tired from vacation, you know. Uh, rest is getting alone with Jesus. It's not just sitting down and reading a book or getting caught up on your favorite television shows. It's being with Jesus in a quiet place. And that's what Jesus is trying to do here. Bring them away to a secluded place to reconnect and rest. Jesus practiced this daily. He got up early in the morning to go and spend time with the Father. And yet he understands our seasons of hurriedness and we're coming into one of those seasons, right? His desire for us is to have rest. But sometimes our plans get interrupt, interrupted by unexpected and unwanted blessings. And so we're going to have to look at some of the rest of the story here as we look at this. Let's take a look in verse 33 and following. And keep your finger on some of these verses because I want to make some comments on it. The people saw them coming and going, excuse me, the people saw them going. What is it? They got into a boat. They're going to a secluded place. The people on the shore saw them going and many recognized them and ran together on foot from all the cities. And they got there ahead of them. Now, you just get this picture. Jesus and his disciples in a boat. They're going to a secluded place. These people are on the shore. They see it. They're racing by foot to try to anticipate where they're going. So Jesus went ashore and he saw a large crowd, a lot of people running. And he felt compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. And when it was already quite late, his disciples came to him and said, Okay, now this place is desolate. And it's already quite late. Send them away so that we may go into, or so that they can go into surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. What they're really thinking is, get rid of them so we can go have our quiet time. But Jesus answered them, no, you, you give them something to eat. What, what? You give them something to eat. And so they said to him, Shall we go and spend 200 denarii on bread and give them something to eat? Have you ever argued with God on a few projects? And he said to them, Well, how many loaves do you have? And they probably gave me one of these things. And so he says, Go look. 
And they went and found out and they said, okay, five, two fish. And so he commanded the people to sit down by groups on the green grass. And they sat down in groups of 100s and of 50s. And he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking upward toward heaven, he blessed the food, he broke the loaves, and he kept giving them to the disciples to set before them. And he divided up the two fish among them all, and they all ate and were satisfied. And they picked up 12 baskets of the broken pieces and also of fish, and there were 5,000 men who ate the loaves. Wow. Come away with me to a secluded place. They get in a boat. The crowd beats them there. Notice what it says back in, in verse 33. The people saw them going. Who's the them? The disciples. Not necessarily Jesus. They saw them. And many recognized them. How did these people recognize the disciples and want to? To follow them. You can yell your answer out loud by the way. How did they recognize these guys? How did they know them? What? Been in their villages. Been in their villages. The last six months. 204 of them. And so there was this apparent need to know more. And so at first they're following the disciples. Next we're going to want them to follow Jesus. And it says that they are running on foot from all of these cities. Whatever they did, this casting out of demons, this healing of the sick, you know, it, it, it left a hunger for something more. And so they're following the disciples and they beat them to the spot. Boy, what a scene this is. We're about to discover the blessing of unexpected service even when we're fatigued. There comes a call to serve people even when we're exhausted. We're asked by God to serve other people when we're tired and we're in need of rest. And yet the kingdom is never about us and our fatigue or our griefs or our problems or our hurts. It's always about other people. God understands it. He understands our need for reconnection. But when there are Sheep without a shepherd, that trumps our personal needs every time. You give them something to eat. Christ was tired. It had been easy for him in that boat with his voice echoing across the water to say, Look folks, I'm tired, my disciples are tired, you guys go home, we're going to spend a little time together with our, our life group here, we're going to huddle, we've been under pressure, we're grieving, we need our community time. Jesus knew he had to get these guys out of the fire for a moment so that they might get reconnected with God. To recharge their spiritual batteries. But something trumped their need for reconnection. And it was people. So Jesus commands the boat to go ashore. And the first thing he does, he teaches them. And he teaches them until it's quite late in the day. He teaches them. And the scripture says that he had compassion on the people. 
This is a very deliberate word that's used by Mark. This word is only used eight times in all of the New Testament. You think, man, compassion, that, that should be throughout the scripture. No, it's only used eight times. And in every single instant, it always refers in some way or another to Jesus. It's not used about you and me. Compassion is this holy quality of God that apparently we have to pray for and receive as a gift. This word compassion is either on the lips of Jesus or it's about Jesus only. He feels compassion for you. He feels compassion for me. Compassion, this word describes it, something that that evokes the soul. It's something deep down in the heart that stirs a person. Something just, the love welling up in the heart of Jesus and compassion is the word used to describe it. I, I hope we can try to get a grip on this. Maybe the best, best way is, is to look at the opposite. We're familiar with the opposite of compassion. Things like apathy, coldness, indifference. Trust me, every one of us here, we have experienced the opposite of compassion. When we were raising three boys, I know what the opposite of compassion is. It's when you're the last one in the family to get the flu. Everyone else has been sick and you've been scrubbing and cleaning up stuff and ministering and then you know you get it but the last one that gets it the compassion has run out in the family there is none for you you're on your own now as a believer in Christ there's been many times we've received compassion and I think when we're really close in our walk with Christ, there are moments we actually feel it. There's something deep in us just stirs us. But it's a characteristic of God that we have to strive for and walk for because it doesn't come naturally to human beings. By the way, some of us maybe this morning just need to be reminded that Jesus cares for you. If you don't remember anything else from this message this morning, get this. Jesus loves you. He cares for you. He's calling for you out of this deep stirring love for you that's called compassion. Now his disciples were short on compassion. In fact, they didn't have any at all. Isn't it amazing they'd gone... From village to village, casting out demons, healing sick people. And it kind of makes me wonder, well, how much compassion did they have prior to this event? Or how much of it was they were doing just out of ministry? And I'm, I'm not trying to judge them. I'm just trying to, to think this through. Now, obviously, if they, they went into a home and, and they were directed, they... they they uh, shake the dust off their feet and they go to the next place. There's, there's no compassion there. But, it, but if they went into a home and, and actually healed somebody, don't you think they, they got a little 
connected there. Maybe there was a little bit of love, a little compassion. Or was it, you know, they got so used to the authority of Jesus and doing ministry, they just got up the next morning and be, began to do it kind of rotely. Okay, in the name of Jesus, be healed. name of Jesus, be healed. Let's go to the next time. name of Jesus, be healed. I don't know. But if they had experienced for six months, it certainly was lacking now. And I wonder how many times we just do ministry and good works with, with no real compassion. Can I suggest we put a little compassion in our thanksgiving? Uh, particularly uh, this Tuesday evening, as Jerry mentioned, we have our Thanksgiving meal with, with our uh, Korean friends. You know, it, it's so easy to do events like that every year. And, okay, yeah, I'll cook a turkey. By the way, we need two more turkeys. Can I see some hands? You know, we need two more turkeys. You know, people going to do a Thank you for that hand. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we need casseroles. Y'all know, and, and you'll, the food will show up. And it's so easy to just kind of go through the motions, you know. Make my casserole, show up. But maybe we can add compassion as a sort of special ingredient, even as we're doing the cooking. Because Tuesday night, Thanksgiving meal is not about food. It's about people. And connecting with people. Our purpose is to have community with our Korean friends from Nanam Church. And you know what? It's hard. I'll confess, it's hard. It's a lot easier just to do the task, show up, bring my food, and not interact at all. It's easy for me to come and, and bring my food and sit down with people I already know. But it's hard to visit and create community with other people you don't know. I've tried it. The last two years. Okay, I'm going to have a meal with some Koreans or I'm going to sit out here in the congregation with some Koreans. I want to tell you, it's difficult. We couldn't communicate at all. All we could do, now we could communicate on a spiritual level because we're all God's people, right? We could sing the songs together and worship God and, and have a sense of community. But, you know, basically all we could do was shake hands and kind of smile at each other. So I met with uh, Pastor Ji Young and uh, their student, Mr. Minister Jong, uh, a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, okay, how can we not, this just be a, a, an event, how can we really create community? We tossed around some ideas. One thing they wanted to do was just get their staff and our staff together for lunch. So Pastor Jerry's on top of that, man. He's going to get with Jay Young, G. Young and I think every other month or so, the two staffs of the church. We're just going to get together for a meal and start working through languages and, and communication and, and just get to know each other. And then um, tomorrow night, Monday, after you've stained a lot of boards for John's fence... You know, I'm, I'm going to ask you to do something. I need some men to come up tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. I really need some women because we're going to set up the tables and we're going to decorate the tables, put out 
tablecloths. We really need some women because our cheese nights, you're going to know that I decorated. And, uh, you know, so Jong and I said, we're going to meet up here. I'd like some young men, you know, um, but we'll take people my age as well. But we're going to set up the tables and the chairs. But at seven, we're going to meet together and just pray. And then we're going to pair up, you know, uh, somebody you don't know. We're going to put up the tables. We're going to put up the chairs. And we're going to try to, to build a relationship. And then maybe Tuesday night, those same people will, will sit together and, and have a meal together. So that we can create community uh, in this way. And not just sit and smile at each other. And then he brought up an idea, G. Young, and I think it's a great idea. And uh, I don't know if it's compassion, but at least it at least resonates with me. He said, I wish we could get some of the Ridge ladies together and some of our ladies together and just, you know, build a little like a fellowship class. There are Korean ladies who come up here during the day to preach. I'm sure there's to preach, to uh, pray. Uh, I'm sure they have some you know, who work who could do it at night. But just like two or three Koreans and, and two or three from the Ridge and just to sit down maybe monthly and, and begin to go. So we're praying about that. And, and I don't know if that right now the Holy Spirit would even put that on the heart of some of our ladies. I can think of two or three who'd be really, really good at it. In fact, I may whisper in their ear. But what a great way because life is about people and compassion. Even when we're busy and we're tired and we're thinking, I don't have time to meet with another group of people. Now Mark goes on to explain that Jesus saw these people as sheep without a shepherd. Compassion for Jesus wasn't just feeling sorry for them. Sheep without a shepherd is, is a sad sight because sheep just wander. And here are these people whom the disciples had visited in their villages. And now they've raced down the shoreline to see Jesus. And Jesus sees them as really leaderless. Sheep without a shepherd. And I think that's why he first taught them. And then he's going to feed them. A lot of times it's the other way. They get fed and then he teaches. But he teaches first because half the time sheep are asking the wrong questions in life. And they're directionless. And Jesus feels very deeply about that. And so Jesus had compassion upon them. He saw them in their need. And he preaches to them First, he teaches them. He feeds them spiritually. Sheep without a shepherd. Compassion. I want to take a moment and just kind of fill you in on what's going on in France. After the attacks in the Paris area, of course, I called our missionaries in Lyon and talked to Steve on Monday. Talked to him again on, on Thursday. A couple things we need to be praying about. First of all, there's, there's some really good things happening. There are record numbers of lost people coming to church because of the attacks in Paris. Last Sunday, the main church was just packed. They had 
10 adults who are not Christians show up. They knew who they were because they're friends and family members. Kind of like maybe back here in 9-11, those first few Sundays people were coming back to church. They were so shook up. And so there's a great opportunity to minister there. But then he said something that, that kind of caught me off guard and I've been sharing with, with people so we could pray it through. You'll remember I've mentioned our new church up in Trevu, and uh, they're a brand new church and they've just rented a, um, a former grocery store that is on the first floor of a large Muslim um, high-rise apartment area. And I remember making that comment. I said, man, they're, they're going right to the gates of hell, you know, to preach the gospel. And Steve said, David, I remember what you said about going to the gates of hell. And so in December, on Saturday, Sunday, the 12th and 13th, we're bringing in this Arab speaker who used to be a Muslim, and he's a Christian now, and we're going to cover the whole area with, with flyers. And I'm going, oh, don't listen to me. <laughs> My first thought was, you're just putting a bullseye on yourself here. But Steve and the elders of that church, see, they see their community as sheep without a shepherd. They see people who are directionless. My first thing was, I saw wolves in sheep clothing. <laughs> and so after praying this week, I'm, I'm a little more comfortable about it, but I want you to be praying about that for safety. But it's about people. It's always about people. The kingdom is. And so Jesus said, you feed them. You do it. So we are called, even when we're tired, even when we're exhausted, even when we thought we were fixing to get some rest and reconnection with the Lord. Now, as we close, I want us just to see God's power. You know, they balk at it. You know, well, we don't have the money to do this. Uh, um, 200 denarii is like six months wages. Well, what do you have? Well, we got, got the loaves. And, and you've heard sermons on this before, you know. Um, you know, we have to depend upon God's power. We can't do anything on our own. My thought on this may be to the disciples in their personal journey needed to understand what it's like to minister to larger groups of people. On their six-month adventure, maybe they'd only ministered one-on-one -on -one or maybe with a household of people. And sometimes I think you and I, we're a little more comfortable, you know, working with people one-on-one -on -one and, and certainly don't, not making fun of that. That's important. One-on-one -on -one discipleship. It's where it happens best. But sometimes God calls us to minister in larger groups. And so God's going to call some of us to be life group leaders. God's going to call some of us to be leaders in connecting women in our men's ministry and, 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 and bigger things where more people are involved. So maybe God's calling on us like these disciples kind of step up our ministry, but we still have to depend upon God's power. And these disciples, one, they didn't want to do it. He's having to work on their heart. They didn't have the money to do it. He's got to show them his power. And so what do you have? Well, we got some loaves and we got some fish. 
Isn't it amazing these guys could cast out demons and heal people of illnesses, but they couldn't feed 5,000 people? A lot of learning curve going on. But Jesus is underlining their inability to meet needs in their own power. And the only way this is going to be remedied is by a miracle from God. So he has the people sit in groups. That's an interesting word there, groups. He has them sit in groups of 50 and 100. This Greek word for group, it literally means flower beds or vegetable gardens. So some of you maybe have a garden or, or a nice flower. You think of, of gardens, you've got a row of onions and a row of green beans and a row of tomatoes. It, you, you can just see people sitting out. In rows forming little vegetable garden. Or beautiful little, little flower beds sitting there. So they're put in small groups. Or they're putting in life groups so to speak. This is a beautiful picture of God's kingdom. And it was an opportunity for the twelve now to minister in larger groups. And through the miracle of multiplication. Our divine creator Jesus standing in their midst. Feeds 5,000. And I don't think it's by accident that there are 12 baskets left over of bread and fish. Who are those 12 baskets for? For the 12 disciples, right? Earlier, you're going on a journey. You don't take any money. You don't take a change of clothes. You don't take anything. You're going to be dependent upon me. And now he says, I'm providing for you even more than you need. We are moving into a very busy season. I hope some of you do have some time off this week. The pace will quicken. You've done it every year. But I pray this year we'll add a little compassion to it. Because as much as we might want to slow it down a little bit, we just can't because God is putting us in situations, putting us with people who are like sheep without a shepherd. And may we embrace that. And I love the last part of these verses where it says that all the people ate and they were satisfied. Isn't that a great word? Even the disciples, they were satisfied. As we close the service, we come to our time of communion. I'm thinking about this passage. I think about another passage where Jesus said that he was the bread of life. The bread of life has power it refreshes us it renews us to go and serve other people for them to be satisfied the bread has promise the bread of life gives us salvation the bread has a price in this case it was 200 denarii in our case it was the sacrifice of Jesus himself. And so as we quiet our hearts and we get ready to do communion. To take the bread of life. To take the juice representing his sacrifice. Might we look at ourselves 
trying to get in a boat with Jesus to be by ourselves, but <laughs> there's these people just going to chase us for the next six weeks. And they're going to be where we want to be by ourselves. But that's the moment where Jesus says, you, give them something to eat. So let's be refreshed this moment as best we can to go and serve in schedules that we're not always in charge of.